0: Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Are hidden toxins and stressors making you feel run down and tired? Worried about oxidative stress from exposure to EMF, 5G, heavy metals, chemicals, processed foods, and the like? You see, in our modern world, toxic is the new normal. No matter how health conscious you try to be, the truth is that every single day, you're being bombarded by harmful toxins and stressors. When left to roam free, these toxins take on the form of something called free radicals. Free radicals promote an unhealthy inflammatory response and contribute to oxidative damage on a site or level, basically like uh, like the rusting of metal or the browning of an apple that potentially leads to premature aging, a lower quality of life, and a range of health problems. However, there is good news antioxidants are crucial in combating free radicals and keeping you on track. And one of the most powerful antioxidants known to man is glutathione. Glutathione fights free radicals and molecules that cause cellular damage while repairing DNA and flushing out toxins. But here's the thing, not all glutathione supplements are created equal. If you're taking glutathione in capsule or tablet form, you're missing out on key nutrients as they will simply pass through your body without being absorbed. You can thank your stomach acid for that. However, our friends over at Purality Health have a patented formula that utilizes something called MyCell liposomal technology, which delivers the nutrients into your bloodstream, proven to be 800% more efficient. Even better, it's backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. And today we have a 30% off coupon for you. Just visit puralityhealth.com. That's P-U-R-A-L-I-T-Y-H-E-A-L-T-H.com and use the coupon code DRJ to access 30% off today. Again, that coupon code is DRJ. Use that at puralityhealth.com and check out their my liposomal
1: glutathione. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I've got a powerful interview that you guys are going to love today, and it is all about brain inflammation, and it is about the best lab tests and biomarkers to look at when it comes to your brain and neurological health. And I have got a good friend of the show, Melissa Knorr, board-certified health practitioner, Certified bio individual nutrition coach. She's worked with me as a health coach and writer for many years. She's the director of health coaching for drjockers.com. She is a Recode certified health coach. We're going to talk about that. She did this specific training with Dr. Dale Bredesen, the author of The End of Alzheimer's. And she is uh, really passionate about helping people with cognitive decline. And she did this advanced training with him. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in the podcast. She's also a SIBO, Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth Mastery Practitioner, and a three by four genetics certified practitioner. She is just a wealth of knowledge. You guys are going to love what we go through. And a little backstory on Melissa. I mean, she's been a patient of mine. Well, she was a patient of mine. That's how I originally met her. Um, Gosh, I think from. 2010 somewhere around there and uh you know she went ahead and she was so excited about the information she was learning from me that she went ahead and did a, a lot of advanced trainings on her own and um has done you know just training uh, she she really knows more than 99.9% of the doctors and uh, health coaches and people that are doing um you know whether it's modern medicine or whether it's uh you know mainstream medicine or functional health coaching out there she knows more than most people that are out there. And I've been in this industry for a long time. So she is just a whiz. You guys can reach her. You can email her at melissa at drjockers.com if you're interested in working with her as a health coach. You want somebody to help you with your lab tests or somebody to help customize a protocol for you and order the proper lab testing, she can help you with all of that. So again, Melissa at drjockers.com. You can find more information about her bio. Just go into the coaching page on drjockers.com as well. Um, and if you guys aren't listening to our Q&As, she's on a lot of those and she does an amazing job. You guys are going to love this interview. I always love my my conversations with Melissa. So with that said, let's go into the show. And if you guys have not left us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, now is the time to do that. That helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. So leave us a five-star review. Just go to Apple iTunes, scroll to the bottom. That's where you can leave the review and write something nice in there. And if you do, I may even read it here on um, on the podcast. I know we recently got uh, a couple of really great ones. Okay, here's a great one. It says, I'm so thankful for Dr. Jockers and his podcast. Thank you for uploading regularly and sharing your knowledge with us for free. I've learned so much from this podcast, and it's really helped me live a healthier lifestyle, healing my inflammation and skin conditions. Mind, body, and spirit are all connected. That's coming from Brendan on Apple iTunes. So thanks so much for doing that, Brendan, that that great review. Really appreciate it. And uh, guys, thanks for being a part of our community here. Let's go into the show. Well, Melissa, it's always great to talk with you. And I know you recently did a training with Dr. Dale Bredesen, the author of The End of Alzheimer's, and he has a great practitioner training that you went through. It's called the Recode training. And so now you're a Recode certified health coach, as well as, you know, you're also certified in genetics, three by four genetics, SIBO, a number of other things. Um, I know you're a lifelong learner and you're constantly looking at different programs that can help improve your skills and improve your ability to help, help get people well. So what did you really get out of Dr. Bredesen's training?
2: Yeah, it was a phenomenal training. So I did that this past spring. And I've been following Dr. Bredesen for years. You know, I have a special interest in neurodegeneration. I've worked with a number of people with cognitive decline and Parkinson's and other issues. So I was very interested in doing just a deeper dive, which is really what his program is. As a doing the health coaching program, we also had access to the A practitioner program. So it was very comprehensive. I think over a hundred lessons were um, in that program, a lot on different contributors to cognitive decline. You know, Dr. Bredesen just published a clinical trial showing Alzheimer's can be reversed. So that's, you know, the first in history. So very exciting, cutting edge work that they're doing and really just learning all the steps. There's so many steps. There's so many things to look at A lot of those things we're going to talk about today because there's lab markers that we can look at to help us understand what may be contributing to cognitive decline. So it's a great program. So happy to do that. There's a lot of support, a lot of, um, you know, if you if you sign up for pre-code or recode and choose a health coach, there's a lot of additional downloads, and you actually come up with your own pre-code, which is preventing cognitive decline, Mm. or recode report, which really guides you on what to do. So really exciting. Yeah, I'm very happy to have had that opportunity.
1: Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And Dr. Bredesen is doing some amazing work. Actually, seeing people reverse Alzheimer's is really incredible Mm -hmm. because, again, that's a condition in the medical world that we're told all you can really do is manage it and just kind of do your best to try to slow the decline um, using pharmaceuticals and different things like that, but not actually reverse it. And you know, the medical world never really asks the question: what is the underlying root causes or causes causative factors? Because typically, it's more than one thing that are contributing to the neurodegenerative process. And that's something that Dr. Bredesen does, and he trains practitioners like you on actually looking at root cause factors and how to actually assess those. And address those for people. And lab tests play a big role with that. And so um, let's get started with some of these. You know, well, first let's talk a little bit about some of those root cause factors and then, um, then let's let's transition there into labs that can help us look at what's happening in the brain and, and really throughout the whole body.
2: Yeah. So well, there are a lot of medical conditions that actually can affect cognitive performance. So even heart disease, diabetes, obesity. And then there's other conditions that can mimic some of those symptoms. So um, B12 deficiency or an underactive thyroid can have some of the same symptoms that people with dementia experience. So really trying to dig deep on what, what is the underlying factors contributing to a person's issues and then also, um, infections, so chronic infections, particularly gut infections, as we know, the gut and brain are connected, so we always like to look at the gut. That's one of the foundational things we do is look at gut health. Inflammation, of course, is a big factor, and we're going to talk about some of those inflammatory markers. Um, environmental toxins, things like uh, heavy metals are also an issue for people, so I love to empower people. So when I'm working with people, I really want to empower them to become their own health advocate. So giving them this information, the the labs to ask their doctor for. So let's ch- let's try to determine what is contributing. And you you know we, of course, look at labs ourselves and we run labs on people, but. People can also go to their doctor. Like you, There's so much power in knowledge. So just giving people the information so that they can take that knowledge. And really, you have to be your own health advocate now. You have to ask for things. You have to get copies of your labs. You need to look at your labs. Because a lot of my clients have come back with labs that are actually flagged you know, outside of conventional range. And they were told everything was normal. So you need to get copies of everything and look at it yourself. And then also, if you work with a functional practitioner, you have the benefit of learning functional ranges. And we'll talk about some of that today. But so conventional ranges, like if you have a test done with LabCorp or Quest, you're going to get the conventional range. And it's it actually changes as Americans get less and less healthy. The labs change, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's the average American. And we know Americans are unhealthy. I think eighty percent are overweight and fifty percent are obese now. So I mean, there's multiple um, chronic diseases for different people. So really don't want to fall within that average range. We want to fall within that functional optimal health range. So that's the benefit of working with, a functional health practitioner because they guide you on what is the optimal range. And let's try to get your numbers inside that optimal range because the goal ultimately is optimal health, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember, you know, when I first started my practice, I was teaching nutrition and health, and people will come in, they bring their blood work in, and I wasn't trained on. Functional health ranges. I really wasn't, you know, I, in school. I, I didn't learn any of this kind of stuff. I had to do a lot of a lot of training outside of school. But I remember early on, you know, people would come in with all their labs, and they would say, "Oh, like all my labs are normal, but I feel terrible, right? Like I've mm-hmm. got all these issues going on. My doctor says everything's normal. They're just giving me an antidepressant or whatever it is." And I realized early on that I was like, you know what? There's got to be more to these labs. There's got to be something going on. And that's when I started pursuing advanced training on how to interpret things from a functional perspective. And it's like, you can see so many different patterns for dysfunction. I'm not talking about disease, but dysfunction where uh, areas of the body are starting to break down and they're giving clues. And those clues are coming in these biomarkers that we see on labs and uh, most doctors out there, 95% plus, are not trained in how to understand these functional biomarkers. And that's where you know somebody, a great health coach like yourself, really is because you've done a lot of training in this. And you're able to understand what's happening, what kind of areas are starting to break down and have dysfunction well before disease is diagnosed.
2: Well, and that's my story. That's why I'm doing this now. I went through my own health issues. I always looked good on paper but I knew something was wrong. I knew that I wasn't feeling my best. And I mean, I was feeling really terrible at the time. So, and I just kept kind of getting blown off because my my pay, my numbers look good. So learning this, that's why I went back to school to study nutrition mm-hmm. and functional medicine was to try to help myself. And then I just fell in love with it and decided that, you know, it's truly my calling, to try to help other people going through these issues. So Um, But yeah, we love to look at patterns. So there's a lot of inflammatory markers. So we know that chronic inflammation is the underlying cause of many diseases, if not all. And so looking at inflammatory markers is really important and one of the main inflammatory markers, and most doctors will run this, is high sensitivity C reactive protein. So, this is a protein that's actually made by your liver when tissues in your body are inflamed. So, it's elevated with either general or systemic inflammation. So, it's a really great screening test. We really like to see that one. It's a useful marker for brain inflammation, but just inflammation in general. And that can really be caused by a number of factors. You know, we've talked about some factors, but like in infections and autoimmune conditions. So that's a really important marker to run. And when we're talking about functional range, so I think the conventional range is zero to three for that, and we want it less than one. So if it's less than one, we know someone's inflammatory burden is low.
1: Yeah, for sure. And when you, before you get a test done, you don't want to exercise intensely the day before right? Or at least, you know, yeah. like within 24 hours, roughly, um, because that could falsely elevate CRP. In fact, if you were to test somebody who, who just ran a marathon or something like that, their CRP levels, it looks like they have a heart attack. So you take that out of there, you get your, you know, you take a day off from exercising, get your blood work drawn, right? That CRP is up over one. It's telling us there's heightened levels of inflammation going on in your body. It's something you want to address.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then another acute phase reactant, which CRP is an acute phase reactant, which means it goes up or down directly related to inflammation. So another marker for that is actually ferritin. So mm. ferritin measure is um is a blood protein that contains iron. So it helps your helps you understand how much iron your body's actually storing and a if you have too much ferritin, then that's a indicator that you have inflammation in the body. So we look at that. We see that a lot with our clients with chronic um, illnesses like cancer or other conditions, infl- inflammatory issues. So that's a good marker to look at. People think of that as your iron stores, but that actually, when that's high, that blood ferritin level can be high due to chronic health issues
1: yeah, when we look at ferritin, we know that a lot of different microbes, bacteria, parasites, as well as um, abnormal tissue, like cancer cancer cells, are going to use free iron in the system almost like uh, like you know it's like logs, it's it's kindling logs on a on a fire, right? So it helps helps them grow and helps them divide, right? when it comes to the bacteria, the abnormal cells. So what the body does is it tries to keep more of that iron in the storage form. And that's why ferritin will end up going up rather than putting it into, um, free iron that these microbes or cancer cells can use to grow and and to fuel themselves. And so you'll start to see that ferritin rise. And again, that's an acute phase, uh, reactant that we'll look at with that. Now, what are the optimal ranges there?
2: Um, optimal. So you may have to help me with this. I think 50 to 150 is women and, yeah. um, 50 to 200 is men. Is that right?
1: So, with men, so typically we don't want to see it up over 150. With women, you're, you're, especially uh, menstruating women, you're going to tend to see it a little bit lower because, again, they're bleeding. So they're using, uh, you know, more, they they have, they have less iron in storage. So that's why it's, it's somewhere around 50 to 150. We always want to see it up over 50. Okay. If they're down low, that could be a sign of an anemic tendency. So we want to address that. But for men, they're not, you know, obviously menstruating. So unless they had a major hemorrhage or something like that, really should be up over 75, you know, so it's roughly like 75 to 150 or something like that. Uh, We don't want to see it up over 150, though. That, again, is a sign of that acute phase reactant with inflammation or a condition called hematochromatosis, where um, those are individuals that genetically are just storing a lot more iron. In general, they're they're absorbing and extracting more iron from their food and holding on to it, and uh, that could be a problem as well because high levels of iron. Although we need it to produce hemoglobin, so we can get oxygen to the cells, very high levels of iron uh, create a rusting effect. High levels of oxidative mm-hmm. stress, and um, so that ages us faster and ages all the organ organ systems of our body. So, people that do have uh, hematochromatosis, which is You know, separate condition that we can look at. um, But those individuals definitely need to be, uh, you know, basically a a, a, um, therapeutic phlebotomy or just getting blood drawn, you know, every month for some individual, every three months, depending on how high those iron levels are, um, is very therapeutic. But again, that's more of a rare condition. Most people, when they have higher ferritin, it's related to inflammation.
2: Right. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Just
0: wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about Peak Tea. These are amazing teas that are specifically designed to enhance the benefits of fasting, helping you get deeper levels of autophagy and cellular healing, helping to shut down your appetite and support healthy weight management. They're delicious. They won't break your your fast. They use the highest quality uh, cold brew crystallization that gently preserves active compounds at their maximum potential with no prep or brewing needed. They're 100% organic and triple toxin screen for pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic mold, which is really common in tea. A lot of teas have heavy metals, they've got pesticides, they've got molds, not with peak tea. It's the highest possible purity, and that's why I love it. And this is why my family and I drink this regularly. We really love the bergamot fasting tea. We know that bergamot is loaded with Theoflavins to nourish your gut bacteria, support digestion, and boost satiety. And great—it's really great for energy. And bergamot itself is great for for your skin. It has a flavorful burst of citrus, and its oils enhance digestion. They provide unique mood boosting properties. You're gonna love that. They also have the ginger green fasting tea. We know ginger is great for your digestion, great for keeping inflammation under control. We know the catechins in green tea are some of the most powerful immune supportive compounds that you can put in your body. Also really great for stimulating autophagy, downregulating inflammation in the body. So really, really powerful stuff there. And then you've got cinnamon herbal fasting tea, which is amazing for supporting balanced blood sugar and helping manage cravings. I love the cinnamon herbal fasting tea, really great flavor to that. And guys, Peak is extending a limited time offer Just for my audience, you can get 5% off plus a free pouch that comes with 20 premium samples. So you can try different flavors when you purchase the fasting bundle. Head over to peaklife.com forward slash drjockers and use the code Dr. Jockers or D R J O C K E R S for a special discount. Guys, Peak has over 15,000 five star reviews. That's a lot of reviews. This has been well tested. Try it for yourself risk free with their 30-day satisfaction guarantee, and you'll either love it or you get your money back. So that's peaklife.com, spelled P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S, and use the coupon code Jockers for a complimentary gift and 5% off.
2: Uh, so another one we could talk about is homocysteine. So homocysteine is an amino acid, and it's actually produced when proteins are broken down. So we've got vitamins B vitamins like B twelve, B six, and folate help to metabolize homocysteine. And if it's not properly metabolized, so some people have an, a gene mutations that can affect their uh, methylation, so they don't metabolize homocysteine as well. Then that homocysteine builds up in the body. So, and it acts like a toxin. So it can create, um, you know, it can damage your cardiovascular system, your neurological system, your endocrine system. So it's a very inflammatory when it rises. So that's another marker we really like to look at. And we want to see that less than seven. We know if it's over 10, you're really, you know, elevated. And a lot of times that's an indication that B12 is deficient. So we want to look at the B12 level too. Like I said before, B12 deficiencies can mimic some of the cognitive decline symptoms. So that's a marker we like to look at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And homocysteine, when it's properly metabolized, turns on, in, or basically it turns into glutathione, which is your body's master antioxidant, and also SAMe, which is a major precursor to. All your major neurotransmitters, and so when homocysteine is elevated, it can also be related to lower levels of glutathione because your body's not able to actually create it from the homocysteine, as well mm-hmm. as lower levels of SAMe, which can affect mood, brain detoxification, a lot of different things like that. And homocysteine itself is just a a, a toxic. It's a necessary uh, a protein, but it's also is toxic at high levels, and so we want to keep that under control. And that's a really key one to look at. Higher levels are associated with neurodegeneration, strokes, heart attacks, right? So, um, you know, very important one to keep your finger on is looking at homocysteine levels. And we see people all the time with very high levels, 12, 13, 14, Mm -hmm. they're just walking around like they have no idea. That is a significant risk factor for some sort of a, you know, major health condition later on in life.
2: Right, yeah. Um, and I don't always see that on labs when people are bringing in their labs. Often, homocysteine mm. is not included. So that's yeah. one you definitely want to request from your doctor. Another one that's not often included that I really thinks underestimated or under underrated would be LDH. So that's lactate yeah. dehydrogenase. And um I heard a recent interview with you and Dr. Nasha Winters, where she was talking about that's one of her key markers that she looks at. And when that's elevated, we know our mitochondria are off. So our mitochondria are in our cells, they're basically like the energy in your cells. So if those are off, then that can affect metabolism. But elevated levels of LDH um, can indicate inflammation. So we like to see that between 140 and 180. When it's over 180, then that could be inflammation. I often we'll see that low. So when that's under 140, mm-hmm. then that's that's a sign that the, the individual is actually having some reactive hypoglycemia. So blood sugar could be, could be dropping too low, which also can be, uh, when blood sugar is too low, that can cause neurological issues.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a key enzyme and part of the glycolytic cycle of metabolizing pyruvate and lactic acid and kind of converting them and it's all part of the process of actually, you know, basically creating cellular energy. And so, um, you know, it needs to be in the right amount. And uh, yeah, high levels can can definitely be related to inflammation, but low levels, like you said, can be a, a major problem because if somebody is having hypoglycemic episodes and their body's not very good at converting, you know, basically stored sugar into uh, energy or or stored fat into energy then they're, you know, from a brain perspective, their neurons are not getting the fuel that they need. All neurons need a continual supply of oxygen, fuel, and activation, right? And The fuel would be in the form of glucose or ketones. Those are the two energy sources that neurons or brain cells are going to run on. And so and glucose being you know primary source. And so if we're not getting that, then, uh, you know, those neurons are going to start to die. And then they actually release a lot of chemicals when they die. And we get this excitotoxicity where um, basically it just creates kind of this cascade, almost like a domino effect, damaging all the neurons around it. So, and this is why, you know, when you have hypoglycemia, you feel, you know, you're, you're you have a lot of neurological symptoms, hangriness, mm-hmm. irritability, um, you know nausea can actually is actually more of a you know when it comes to hypoglycemia it's actually more of a neurological issue where part of the brain stem is being affected that controls your um your gag reflex and kind of a sensation of nausea can occur and so um you know and this and, and cravings are also associated with that So very, very important that you take good care of your blood sugar and obviously keeping inflammation under control and LDH is something that we like to look at with that. But you're right. Most doctors are never looking at that marker. So it's an important marker to look at.
2: Yeah. So it used to be part of the metabolic panel um, and then Mm -hmm. they took it off the metabolic panel. But speaking of blood sugar, that's definitely a great segue to the glucose, fasting insulin, and A1C. I wanted to talk about those because blood sugar imbalances are one of the key causes of inflammation. So elevated blood sugar is one of the biggest risk factors for general inflammation. It causes brain fog, depression, so so many issues. Just um, so blood fasting. So you wanna get, get fasting, blood glucose, fasting insulin. And again, Fasting insulin, I rarely see. You have to request that. So even for my clients that have diabetes, I rarely see a fasting insulin. But um, so fasting blood glucose, we like to see it less than 90. So even better around 75 to 80. Um, If over 100, then we know there may be some insulin resistance or pre-diabetic or diabetic condition going. So I like to pair that with fasting insulin. So with insulin, um, you know, it's a great way to detect inflammation because of the connection between insulin resistance and inflammation. So optimal, we like less than five, um, higher than five can indicate insulin resistance. Um, and then A1C, so that's your average blood sugar. So that's gonna look at a period of around 90 days and test What percentage of hemoglobin proteins in your blood are coated with sugar or glycated? So um, hemoglobin proteins um, are found in red blood cells and they transport oxygen. So the higher your A1C is, the poorer your blood sugar control and the higher your risk of complications. So this really contributes to oxidative stress and inflammation in the body. And with A1C, we like to see it between 4.7 and 5.2. Um, you know, conventional range is below 5.7. And then, you know, one interesting thing is like 5.7, you're fine, 5. Point, or 5.6, <laughs> you're normal, 5.7, you're pre-diabetic. You know, it's such a, a, a slippery slope there. So that's why we like to, again, look at that functional range of less than 5.2. And, and then we know if it's over 6.5, that's an indication that you do have diabetes. So um, great yeah. markers to look at. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's really good to look at all those together. And there's a number of reasons why. I would say out of all those, probably the most important one I like to look at is a fasting insulin. Um, so when you're fasting 12 hours, 12, 14 hours overnight before you get your blood work done, that fasting insulin should really be under, you know, certainly under six, you know, roughly like we talked about that, you know, under five range, you know, roughly we're looking at that two to five, you know, you want to be able to, you should have some amount, right? We want to make sure you're still producing it. And uh, you know you haven't had destruction to your beta cells in your pancreas, and you're not producing it at all. But at the same time, it should be really low. And so that's really, really key. For some individuals, when it comes to fasting blood glucose, they may have something called the dawn phenomenon, where like earlier in the day or in the morning, they have a little bit higher blood sugar, right? Even up to you know 100 or even in the early hundreds. And it may actually not be a a significant risk factor if their insulin is very low. It tells us that their body is insulin sensitive, and that's really the most important thing there. And for some individuals, they just run a little bit higher. Perhaps they have a higher amount of cortisol, a higher cortisol awakening response in the morning. Um, Some individuals drink coffee before they go in for blood work, right? And sometimes that can elevate... Their fasting blood glucose. Maybe they had to go upstairs to get their blood drawn. Um, so there's a number of different factors that could play a role in that. So that's why I'm always looking at that along with the insulin. You know, if they have yeah. high morning blood glucose and high insulin, that's a big factor. That's a big, mm-hmm. big problem. That's a sign of, you know, pretty significant insulin resistance going on there. In fact, over 100, along with fasting insulin that let's say is up over 10, you know, it's actually considered a pre-diabetic state. And so, um, so we want to make sure that that's not taking place. But for some individuals that are healthier, we might see the glucose up a little higher, but the insulin down. And then when we look at hemoglobin A1C, we want to see what's happening kind of throughout the day. What kind of fluctuations are taking place? So, some of you might have like a, a good fasting insulin, but their hemoglobin A1C might be higher because they're eating certain foods that are still spiking their blood sugar. Uh, maybe they have a lot of stress. Maybe their body's having trouble breaking down old Red blood cells. And that can also be a factor. Perhaps their liver is sluggish, right? The liver helps break down these old red blood cells. So if you have sluggishness going on in your liver, you're not going to be able to metabolize them as well. And you might have well, might your, your insulin might look good, but mm-hmm. your hemoglobin A1C is up a little bit higher than it should be: 5.5, 5.6, something like that. So it's really good to look at all these together. And yeah, that high hemoglobin A1C is a sign of glycation where the bl- the sugar molecules will bind to proteins. And when they bind to the protein, they actually create what we call a sticky protein, which is highly reactive, and so it's, it damages the endothelial lining of the blood vessels, and creates, you know, plaque formation. And uh, you know, when it comes to brain tissue, it helps chew up brain tissue as well. And so it can be really, really problematic. And and you know, the higher the blood sugar and the more insulin we're having to pump out, the less responsive the cells are to insulin. And then there, we're, we're less able to get the glucose into the cell where we need where it needs to be. And just like I talked about with hypoglycemia, you know those those neurons start to die, right? They're very dependent upon this continual supply of sugar and, and insulin. Right. And if they're not responsive, there, you know, they need because the brain takes up so much. I think it's like twenty percent of our metabolic needs go to the brain. So they're constantly creating tons and tons of energy. We have. 10,000 plus mitochondria per cell in each neuron, as opposed to, you know, your typical muscle cells, which are like 1,000 mitochondria. So we're constantly producing this energy. And if there's any sort of deficit in the amount in, you know, glucose coming in or some sort of energy source, ketones coming in, then um, neurons are going to start to die. And then they release chemicals that, you know, compounds that uh, damage neurons around them. And so we get this neuro excitotoxicity. So, Uh, These are all ways that we can look at that and see what's happening there. So very important.
2: Yeah, great information.
1: I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to
0: tell you guys about Paleo Valley Bone Broth Protein Powder. Unlike most companies, which are actually creating their bone broth protein from the hides or the skin of the animal, which are unfortunately less nutrient-dense, Paleo Valley actually uses the bones and they do a slow simmering process to extract as much of the key collagen protein as possible. Collagen protein is rich in some key amino acids, things like glycine, proline, and hydroxyproline, which are needed for healthy skin, healthy joints, a healthy gut lining, healthy muscles, just a healthy body in general. Collagen helps to reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. It also helps reduce cellulite and it's critical for anti-aging as it may regenerate bones and it helps build muscle and support heart health. So I'm a huge fan of using collagen or bone broth protein, but I want to make sure that mine is as pure as possible and that's why I love Paleo Valley because they use 100% grass-fed beef bones from cows that are never fed GMO grains. And they even test for over 40 pesticides to ensure this is the purest bone broth protein on the market. It also has over three grams of glycine per serving, 15 grams of total collagen protein. Now that three gram dose of glycine is key because research has shown that that helps improve sleep By lowering body temperature and boosting serotonin levels. And serotonin is a key precursor to melatonin, that's the sleep hormone. And it does this without causing daytime drowsiness. So if you have your collagen protein during the day, you're not gonna get drowsy, but it will help you sleep better at night. So, guys, check out paleovalley.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15% off. To get your bone broth protein. You can also go to paleovalley.com forward slash DRJockers to get the Paleo Valley Bone Broth Protein or any of the great Paleo Valley products and use the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 15% off today.
2: So um there's a lot more markers we could go through. I want to make sure we have time yeah. to touch on some tests outside of blood tests. Yeah. Would you like to just go there yeah. now? So
0: absolutely. You know,
2: I was talking about how there's Environmental toxins and biotoxins. So, biotoxins are things like Lyme disease or um, mycotoxins that we get from mold. So, there's testing you can do for those things too. There's environmental toxicity testing, which is a simple urine test. There's also a mycotoxin test. Again, it's a urine test, so it looks for different mycotoxins. And if, if you have high mycotoxins, then that can cause significant cognitive issues. Um, one of the reasons I got interested in cognitive decline was I trained with a doctor who actually was experiencing that very issue. And she almost went on disability. She was an ER doctor at the time. She almost went on disability because she was so toxic from mold in her home. So um, of course she addressed that and changed to being a functional medicine practitioner after that, But just to shows the power of the, the, how many these toxins, what they can do to the brain. So great to do if you're suspecting that. I see mold toxicity all the time with people. Um, they're surprised. A lot of them are surprised. You know, I'll, I'll you know notice some of the symptoms of mold toxicity and recommend testing. And they find it in places like their garden. I had one lady, it was the wood chips in her garden. A, a couple that I worked with, they had a barn. Barns are, a lot of barns have mold mm. and their barn was a huge source of mold for them. So it's always investigating and trying to dig deeper and helping people. That's what I love about my job. It's kind of like being a detective, helping people figure out what is causing their issues. And so another test we like to do is called the organic acids test. And I always say it's a lot of bang for the buck you get so much information. I think there's 75 markers on that test and I've run it on myself. I've run it on my kids. It's just a great test to do. but so you, you can look at um, yeast and fungal markers. So the first page is yeast and fungal markers and also bacterial markers. And we talked about how those yeah. gut infections can contribute to cognitive issues. And under those yeast and fungal markers, there are some markers for aspergillus, which is a mold and fusarium. This is not a mycotoxin test. If I see aspergillus or fusarium high, I'd like to do the mycotoxin test just to confirm, but that'll give us clues that mold may be an issue. And then oxalates are tested on the organic acids test, and oxalates are basically anti-nutrients. They're found in really healthy foods like spinach and nuts and berries, but um, some people have a hard time uh, getting rid of the oxalates, and they can build up in your joints or bones or eyes, and it can cause a lot of pain and other issues. Um, mitochondrial dysfunction is tested, um, and then there's neurotransmitters. And there's one particular marker on there called quinolinic acid. And we know when that's elevated, there could be some neurological inflammation. So a good marker to look at. Um, There's nutrient deficiencies. So we can get an idea of whether methylation might be an issue. Detoxification markers. So just a, a ton of information in that one test is one I really like to do. Um, When when people can't figure out what's going on, it's kind of my go to because it can give us a lot of clues. So um, and and then, of course, let's not forget, and I'll finish with this one, the genetics test. So we use 3x4 genetics. I love that test. Um, And there's a whole. So basically, 3x4 groups genes together. And then into pathways, Uh, I think there's 36 pathways and they tell you which pathways you should focus on to optimize health. So make it very user friendly. So my clients Mm -hmm. love the test because it's easy to understand. You don't have to become a geneticist to understand the test. And um, one of those pathways is memory and brain health. So you can see whether or not you've got different genes and there's so many genes that can contribute to memory and brain health. But you can see if that's a high or very high pathway for you and then if it is just really take those extra steps and they even give you the steps to take they give you nutrition Mm -hmm. recommendations supplement recommendations lifestyle recommendations but with that knowledge your knowledge is power and then you, you can really focus on those areas so. I'll finish with that one. I really, I hope I didn't talk too fast going through all these, it, just, it excites me how many different tests we can do because it's just a, a way for people to really learn and discover more about their body and all of this can be addressed. You know, that's that's what's exciting about our job is, you know, it, it, we'd see A1C high all the time, but there's so many things, it's not, a, it's not even with genetics, it's not, that's not your destiny. there's diet and lifestyle factors that contribute. And so if you address those diet and lifestyle factors, you can turn your health around. I turned mine around, you know, so it's just very encouraging. I really want to leave everyone with that message because this should excite you. Um, just like it excites me because there's, you know, it's a new frontier with health because we, we have all this information. Sometimes it's a little overwhelming, but You know, if if you know with something like genetic testing, what are your areas, then you can just focus on that to try to not get as overwhelmed. So I hope this helped.
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely think it did. And yeah, and that's what I would recommend to the, the listener out there is get that three by four genetics test. Number one, that's only something you need to run one time your entire life. And it gives you a really great printout with um, lots of information, but it really groups these genes. So you're able to understand what areas you may have more vulnerability or more weaknesses and what areas you're really strong in. And it gives you suggestions and recommendations to follow and then get, get some blood work done, right? We talked about some of these markers, right? We have a comprehensive blood analysis that uh, Melissa and our health coaches use that has all these markers and a whole lot more that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. Um, as well as, you know, organic acid. Get that done once, twice a year um, to be able to look at all of these different factors, these different biomarkers. And that will help you understand what's going on in your body, what areas you might have deficiency in, what areas uh, you might have possible infections or inflammation. Um, and that will help you really customize a protocol to, uh, to follow to give you the best possible health. And people can reach out to you, Melissa. Uh, your, I know your email is Melissa at drjockers.com, Melissa at drjockers.com. So you can reach out to her if you're looking to do health coaching, if you're looking to get some of these labs, if you want somebody to step in and help interpret some of the labs you may have had in the past um, and give you a customized plan with specific action steps to help improve your life and your health. So um, they can do that. Melissa, anything else, uh, any other way people can reach you?
2: Yeah. So I'm really been trying to be more active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you'd like to follow me there or Facebook, Instagram's really more for my business. And so would love for you to check out what I'm posting there. Um, I'm going to be running some challenges next year, some group challenges. So would love for you to follow me there also.
1: Awesome. It's just Melissa Noor? Yes. On Instagram. Yep. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for your time there, Melissa, and your expertise. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that and we will see you guys in a future presentation. Be blessed, everybody.
0: Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life. You know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.